struggle is not my fault. Oh, this I also lose my friends. I lost my baby. That is looking crack. Only today, what to change? He wanted us on a cougar track. Well, I do feel. Welcome back, crack fans. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Thieneman. Uh, just a reminder to go check out the Great Shot Podcast first episode, which is dropping this Wednesday. Uh, we really think you're going to love the hot takes and banterous style of the Great Shot Pod. And uh, the crack team continues to welcome host Alex Gruskin, co host Max Rothman, and producer and music composer Max Fliegner to the Cracked Rackets team. So we're excited to have them on and to be working with them going forward. So. Um, also, our CTO and producer, Daniel Westoff, just announced the Cracked Rackets online store is finally live. We have had a lot of people reach out uh, the last couple weeks about where um, you can get one of the Cracked Rackets t-shirts, and those are now available at CrackedRackets.com. So we're doing a free shipping promotion for a limited time, so grab those while we still have them, because there is a limited supply we think we're going to run out here the next week or so but until then this edition of cracked interviews is going to be another fantastic one for you guys we have um, arizona head coach clancy shields and uh, coach shields joins us to talk about his career as a top-ranked junior and collegiate player at boise state and then his tenure as a head coach at utah state winning the 2016 wilson ita mountain region coach of the year um, his approach to the collegiate recruiting process and developing a winning culture, and then, of course, the future of the Arizona men's tennis program. So for now, enjoy my conversation with Coach Shields. Coach, thanks again for coming on Crack Rackets. I appreciate that. No problem, man. I'm excited to uh, chat with you, buddy. Absolutely. So, how was your summer? It was good, man. It was busy. I I spent probably more time away from Tucson than, than being here, so. It, it, it felt like it went by way too fast, but I'm excited to have all the guys back and to, to, to be here and working with them. It's, it's, uh, it's going well so far. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because the summer's got to be prime time for recruiting. Yeah, we uh, basically, I mean, we hired a new assistant, hired a vol- new volunteer assistant. Uh, we brought in five new guys. Um, and, yeah, we were traveling. I was in Europe for about 17 days. I've been to Kalamazoo, went to a few... American tournaments, and then, um, you know, try to see the family a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you still have some time on the off season. <laughs> yeah, it goes by quick. We'll get right into it. Um, kind of take us through, I know we, we talked briefly about your summer schedule. Do you have the tournaments uh, lined out initially, or do you kind of go, you know, week by week and see where the players that you're zoned in on are in that particular week? Yeah, it's, it's, I think every year is a little bit different. I think where we kind of are talking to the kids, and I think one of the first things we ask the kids we're recruiting is, hey, send me your schedule and, and trying to map out where the kids that we're interested in are playing and, and try to go to those tournaments. So it's, it's really every year I think it's a little bit different. Every summer is a little bit different. Obviously, you know, we try to hit the big ones, clay courts and Kalamazoo. 
um, and then kind of hit the regional uh, American tournaments around here and then try to to make a European swing. But, um, you know, every year it's a little bit different. I, I imagine next summer will be different than it, it was this summer. And I think that's the cool thing, too, is that you get to go to a lot of different places, meet a lot of new people, and it uh, seems like a new experience every time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't realize that this is a full-time, you know, full-year um, job because right when the season ends, recruiting season picks up, and those that follow collegiate tennis know otherwise. But um, so when you're looking for a player that, that fits the mold of Arizona tennis, um, what's, what's your process in uh, reaching out to them, and then how does the recruiting process, um, you know, progress from there? Yeah, I think everyone does it a little bit different, I, and I, I would say that I'm still learning as I go and, and every year trying to improve on kind of the process of doing this. But I think first and foremost is connecting with the kids as early as we can and and trying to get to know them know them really, really early early on and, and just kind of see what their interests are, what they are, you know, looking to do with their tennis, what they're looking to do with their college experience. And kind of just get a feeling for um, what type of kid they are. And, you know, I think we kind of have an idea of what we're looking for in a kid. And I think the more that we talk to them, we really start to hone in on whether or not that they're the right kid for our program or, you know, maybe some other programs would be a better fit. And you have a, a great understanding of, of West Coast tennis and, and that region because you yourself played and then eventually coached at Boise State. Is that correct? So I played at Boise State. I coached with Coach Patton at Boise State and then switched over to Utah State in 2013 and then progressed here to Arizona. If my memory serves me correctly, you reached a, uh, a high of 17 in singles and 11 in doubles at your time at Boise State. How was the transition from playing to coaching? Was that a, a difficult adjustment? Honestly, I, I kind of always thought, you know, when I was a player on the team that, you know, I think Coach Patton really empowered the leaders on the team to really kind of lead from the middle. And, you know, I, I really appreciated his his leadership in that sense of saying, hey, guys who are leaders on the team kind of take over the team and, and do a lot of leadership things. And so really, when I got into being an assistant, I really didn't feel like my role changed that much because I always saw myself as a strong leader when I was a player on the team. And, and then being an assistant, you know, just kind of transferred into that. And um, I think that it kind of, uh, you know, wipes away some of those rough edges that, you know, coaches and players have when they're trying to build relationships. So it's been pretty easy for me. And, and I think, um, you know, I was really lucky to have a, a head coach who empowered me as a player. So are you trying to emulate that now with the, you know, cultivating leaders on the team and kind of having them as the vocal leaders out on the court and off the court as well? Absolutely. I mean, I think every coach would agree that their best teams are always the ones when their leadership has been from the middle, you know, and by, by the middle, I mean that their players are leading the program. And I think we as coaches, you know, need to give them the tools to lead and empower them to lead and kind of let them go and, and make mistakes and, and learn and, and, you know, grow as people. And I think the teams that I've had that are really great, we've done a good job with cultivating leaders and, and the teams that I've, maybe struggled with a little bit. I feel like there was too leader, too much leadership from the top, whereas our head and assistant coach were, you know, always leading and always trying to get the guys to follow our lead. And I think we really have, have worked a lot on that and of getting our leaders to uh, lead from the middle. 
Sure. And speaking of leadership, a large majority of our audience are junior players currently that are about to get into the recruiting process, you know, they're freshmen, sophomores. Are there any attributes, any qualities that you seek out that really stand out to you uh, when recruiting players to Arizona? Yeah, I mean, we we made like, um, it was kind of funny when I was at Boise State, we would always take our recruits to Coach Peterson. Every time I bring him in there, I'd always see this kind of recruiting priority list right next to his desk. And it was like 20 different things of what they're looking for in a recruit. And, and they kind of coined it as OKGs, so our kind of guys. And I thought that really stuck a lot with me of saying, hey, like their program has been really, really successful, successful in football. And really think about the kids that you're looking for and kind of write down, you know, and make a priority list of, hey, number one, number two, number three, and make sure that that you're really clear about what you're looking for in a, in a player rather than just saying, oh, this guy's ranked really high and um, that's it, you know? And so really we obviously want to recruit players that are of that level and kind of have that ranking range. But then I, I think what's the most important thing is finding out, you know, does the kid love the game? Are they competitive like I am? Um, you know, are they coachable? You know, how, how are their academic? You know, so a lot of those things go into the picture, but the more the more I'm doing this, the more I realize that the intangibles are so much more important than a high ranking. And even this year, I've seen some guys that really didn't come in that highly ranked, and who are having an awesome fall season and improving like crazy because they have a lot of those characteristics and intangibles that make make for make champions. And and do you think that's because the jump and the transition from junior tennis to being a student athlete on a college campus, kind of, you know, uh, having to manage your time and, and take on the responsibilities of school and on the athletic side, is, is, is that a big transition? And talk about maybe the structure that you all have in place to make that transition. I need to get into a structured environment. I think it, it gets it helps out a lot because you kind of know what every hour of your day is going to look like and, and you can go up and and just follow that kind of schedule. Um, you know, obviously we have a ton of support here for our student athletes at Arizona. I think it's one of the best I've ever seen in terms of academic support, you know, our strength and conditioning program, our nutritionist, our sports psychologist. I mean, everything is really covered for these student athletes um, and we have a lot of support for them. However, I think, at the end of the day, I think it's it's these kids that are you know really self-disciplined and self-motivated to to get all these things done, and, and also you know the ones that end up becoming you know one of our our top players are the ones that kind of do extra work. You know where you walk out of your office and you see the kid out hitting tennis, hitting serves on his own, or you know he's out there running on his own or doing doing things on his own where no one told him to do it and he's he's doing it on his own volition and because he wants to be the best player he can be and so I think for a lot of these guys structure is great and it gives them an opportunity to follow that that plan but I think it's the guys that can kind of break out of that mold and and find the extra time to you know put in the extra effort are the ones that get ahead absolutely uh, so tell us a little bit more about you, how you originally got into the game and kind of your experience going through the recruiting process and ultimately choosing Boise State. Yeah, it's really crazy. I, I've, you know, there's five kids in our family. I'm the youngest. Um, my dad played pro football and was a, 
semi-pro boxer and and no real background, family background in tennis. Um, I think my dad wanted his kids to play a sport where they use their brains rather than getting their brains knocked in. And <laughs> so he, you know, I think we, we picked up tennis. It's just kind of a family activity. Um, you know, my oldest brother was 16 when we started, so he obviously did, got a kind of a late start on things. But everyone in my family, you know, played tennis. My oldest brother played Division II tennis. My older sister played Division II tennis. My middle brother played high school tennis. Um, and then my my closest brother, he played with me at Boise State. So it was kind of just a family activity. Um, no real ambitions to be, you know, play college or to do anything other than a family activity. And I think my parents just realized kind of early on that my younger or my older brother, Luke, and myself kind of had a, a passion for it and, and started just kind of giving us opportunities to, to play. And then, you know, they would send us to a tournament we had win it and they would be like well what's the next step and you know then it was driving to denver and and playing a tournament and then it was driving to las vegas and then la and kind of as things went you know there was really no plan about how to do it it was just we're just having fun doing it and letting the kids kind of chase after their goals and dreams and and then kind of when i was 14 um you know i had a good run i won the eddie her prince cup and orange bowl and so that's when kind of things kind of took a turn for saying, hey, I might be okay at this game and maybe I should try to take it a little more serious. And so we moved from Colorado and started kind of uh, going to different cities and where there was a little more tennis and, um, you know, kind of started playing tennis full time. I, I stopped going to public school, started doing a homeschooling program and kind of looked at this as I was going to be a pro player and, and, you know, started practicing four or five hours a day and putting kind of all my eggs in that basket. Um, and, and as I advise kids and I kind of go through this process, I realized that putting all your eggs into one basket is probably the biggest mistake I ever made because it puts a tremendous amount of pressure um, on you and it, and it takes a, a little bit away from your development. And I think if you want to be successful in tennis and in life, I think you really have to have a healthy balance with tennis, you know, academics and your social life. And I know for, for me personally, I think you know, out of my own will willingness, because I love tennis, I, I really just threw everything into the, the tennis basket and, and really kind of didn't do too much schooling and too much social activity. And that really kind of hurt me down the road as I um, continued in my, in my career. And so kind of when it got to the college process, I was really kind of down and out about playing professional tennis and um, really thought that, you know, I needed to go in a different direction. My enjoyment was a little bit down. I would say I was a little burnt out and decided to, to go the college route. Um, you know, visited five different schools, enjoyed all my visits, loved it. But at kind of at the end of the day, I, I went to a, a smaller program because um, my brother was there and, and I the coach Patton was there. And I really um, didn't care about any of the, you know, the, the gear you get or the conference you're in or facilities or any of that type of stuff. I, I really just enjoyed the coaches and the, the players on the team and really thought we could do uh, something special. And so talk about um, that experience a little more. Once you got to Boise State, you did have your older brother on campus. You had a, a great relationship with Coach Patton. Um, is that kind of what you're emulating? I know, uh, and we'll get to your time at Utah State as well, but is that kind of what you're trying to emulate at Arizona? Yeah, I, I think – I think the thing I loved about my experience so much at Boise was this kind of what Coach Patton and kind of what Boise State's program is all about is 
because the brotherhood and and everybody past players current players future players will always kind of have a taste of what that is and what that feels like because coach Patton has done such a great job of uh you know being instrumental of building those teams and and you know I got married last summer and six of the guys in my wedding were guys that were on my team you know and congratulations by the way (laughs) thank you you know and and, and it it really it's not those guys literally are guys I talk to every single week um we're still incredibly close and I think when I look at you know now that I'm a coach here of my experience and then how I want the players who play for me and their experiences I want an unbelievable experience of the guys on the team and really um making sure that they're not just teammates but they're brothers and that their relationship goes far beyond just kind of wearing the same uniform and being on the same team and I think when it gets down to it and I told the guys at the beginning of this year that my favorite thing about this job is building teams and I think every year it's a completely different dynamic you've got new guys coming in you know you've got returners and it's always a different dynamic and it's and it's exciting about how you build a team how you bring them together and get them all working towards a common goal and I think that's what um, is my favorite part of the job I know I love that as a player when I played for coach Pat and he always felt we always felt like we were working towards something and you know the whole group was it was a, a collective effort to um, chase after our goals and our dreams and and I think you know that's something we are trying to do here and and um, you know it, it takes a little bit of time but I think as as players get older and they kind of figure out the system and how we operate that um, you know they'll buy in and and uh, we'll have that experience absolutely and you know your tenure as the head coach of Utah State was highly successful uh, you broke school records each and every year you were there um, ultimately getting up to, I think it was 56 in, in the country. Talk about that, that progression and, and building um, once you got there and building on each season's success. Yeah, it's funny. As a coach, it is really, really difficult to change the culture of a program. And, you know, I think you immediately come into a program with a lot of confidence and a lot of belief in your coaching abilities. And, you know, once you get in there and there's been a culture of losing, that stuff stays around for a while. And I I definitely felt that in our first year when I was at Utah State. I thought those guys were unbelievable guys. They were super coachable. You know, they did everything you asked them to do. But at the end of the day, when you're playing matches, that kind of that doubt and that, um, you know, lack of experience and lack of winning, it definitely kind of takes time. And, And it was really interesting how, as we progressed in my time at Utah state is we slowly kind of knocked off little benchmarks that we'd set of beating teams that we'd never beaten before. Um, you know, some teams have beaten us, you know, 60, 70 times in a row. And the guys kind of know that, you know, and they, they, that culture of losing to those programs kind of sticks in there. But I think once you start taking little steps forward and, and beating teams, you haven't beaten and, and the guys first, start feeling like all the hard work is was worth it and it, and it pays off and then they kind of just feel like um they can do anything and they can beat anyone and and you know that's the really exciting part for me was was getting guys with very little confidence very little belief in the program and and what we were capable of doing and and kind of seeing guys leave the program or continue through the program and really being confident kids and and who really felt like they could accomplish any goal that they set their mind to Absolutely. And, and, you know, you talk about 
building the culture and kind of bringing as much hope to the program as possible. And that starts with each recruit, each recruiting class. What's the team looking like at Arizona this year? And, and what should we expect from the Wildcats? Really, I, I think the culture is getting really, really close to where we want it. And that is the framework and that is the base for anything that you're trying to do. And I think once you get that right, I think the progress is going to be really, really quick here. You have a collection of young guys, a lot of freshmen coming in, sophomores, and then you also have a couple seniors for that leadership component as well. How is that building chemistry and having you know a dynamic group of guys from all over the world? Talk about managing personalities and expectations to have that core, because you're all, you're all striving for the same goal, obviously, but talk about building chemistry. Yeah, honestly, I think chemistry is built when the guys have come together with, with a common goal. And I also think that we, the greatest team build, builder is physical fitness. And we've done a lot of it, you know, and I think it really kind of weeds out the, the strong and the weak and kind of sees what the guys are made of. And, you know, I think guys gain a really strong appreciation for each other when they see that everyone's given their all and they're, they're leaving nothing in their gas tank and, and they are really trying to show each other that they are going to fight as hard as they can in every physical fitness thing that we do. And so that when it gets time to playing matches, there's a lot of confidence built up be, between each other. And, and they, they know that there's no quit in the guy next to them and that they're going to fight to the very end. And, um, you know, I, I think there's that, that respect is more important than being liked. And I, I kind of tell the guys this all the time. It's like, dude, you want to be respected more than you want to be liked. You know, and if you want to be a part of this team, like show the guys that what you can do and, and they'll respect you for it. You know, and it's not always, I think nowadays when we get on teams, everyone's trying to be liked and, you know, doing the right things in each other's eyes. And, you know, I want the guys to respect each other, you know, as, as tennis players and as people and, and, you know, lay it on the line every single day. And, you know, it's, I know when I, I had four, four older siblings kicking my butt every day, you know, it made me a heck of a lot better of a, you know, a person and it's a tennis player. And so really getting our guys to challenge each other every day and, and build that mutual respect. Absolutely. And, and Coach Shields, we want to be courteous of your time. So thank you so much for your time again. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. And best of luck this year. All right. I'll do it. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Take, Take care. The final thing is that now I'm not a friend of anything Go take on a kill Anyone that feels so powerful They trip at you I read your skin of everything That was a fun one guys Thanks again for listening to my chat with Coach Shields He had an impressive career as a collegiate player And then of course took the Utah State program to the top of the conference and is now turning the Arizona program around, cultivating a winning culture there. So thanks again for coming on, Coach, and we can't wait to see what's in store for the Wildcats this next season. Um, later this week, we have number one player in the 2019 class, Taylor Johnson, and on the horizon, we have IU commit Patrick Fletchall, UVA commit Will Woodall, Ohio State freshman John McNally, ATP Pro and former USC assistant coach Deaton Bauman and many more to come. So definitely uh, going to have a lot on the plate for you guys going forward. So thanks as always for your support. We really appreciate it. 
Go subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And go like the Facebook page if you haven't already. Also, don't forget to rate and review our podcast at iTunes. That's the only way we can move up on the uh, podcast chart. So please go do that. And just as I mentioned earlier, the um, online Cracked Rackets apparel store is live now. So go grab one of the shirts for you or uh, one of your friends or family members. And we will see you next time with Taylor Johnson. The fathers didn't stop now, and not a prince of anything. Go they gonna kill anyone I feel so powerful. They trip at you, I bring you skin up everything is confusing. You will be good, but you will be more. You will be good, but you will be more. You will be good, but you will be more. Alone every day, it is the price of pleasure.